episode of Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Newton of Vacuum Vacuum Company, Shepard Express, and uh, we just destroyed the Bears. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, I I guess I do have some complaints, but you know what? They're all nitpicky and don't matter. Uh, mostly it was just a beautiful thing where everybody played well. So um, to, to help just celebrate mostly um, and not complain about anything and be all happy, first in urban Wauwatosa, rejoicing in a Brewers victory as well. Things are just going well all over the place. We have... Yeah, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. A little surprised you think that I would not be complaining because I got complaints. I can always find complaints about everything. I have some, uh, but it is, but, but like you know, they're yeah, it, it's fine, yeah. it's fine. I can't believe you have it. You've already buried the lead of Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, a torn Achilles. That that certainly was the most uh, the most interesting story we were following to start the week on Monday and Tuesday. That is beyond belief and i'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit but yeah couple that with the big beat down of the bears like it's just been a wild it has been a wild it has been a really fun few days i mean yeah. the brewers threw a 10 and a third 10 and a third, no and a third no on that same day while the while the bears game is going on it's completely under the cover of dark it's just so much happening right now so much happening i'm still mad about that game um just it <laughs> The Brewers losing that game makes me mad. I didn't actually put Aaron in the rundown because I got busy today and I, I forgot it was a big story, but we should probably talk about it. Oh, you yeah. forgot it was a big story. Interesting. Well, yeah. you know, it's the biggest story in the NFL, you know, especially if you watch ESPN, which has a lot of offices in New York City. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, I, I wrote before the season about how old quarterbacks are basically never good and get hurt all the time and how there's only 11 of them to ever have over 100 attempts after their age 40 season. So I wasn't that I mean I was surprised it happened on his third pass or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't that surprised that it actually happened and I feel bad for him. Like that sucks and I feel bad for us cuz we don't get a first round pick and um but like I, I was just kind of like, "Oh, it's old man, um, you know, getting hurt. That's what happens sometimes. He broke a collarbone twice and he has bad calves and that he's old he's an old, old person <laughs> man that is he also only just started training he only just started training like an athlete at the age of 37 i'm matt you can call me matab <laughs> packet company meme weaver in general twitter hey, rabble rouser aaron Rodgers only started hitting the weights when he was 36 37 like it, it's a soft tissue injury which uh, as we know soft tissue is trained via resistance training yep like Matt, were you yeah. were, were you around the the Slack when I sent around the picture of Aaron do, doing that interview? Uh, he's wearing like a big like swoop neck like sweater with a necklace. Yeah, and that that man is every bit of one hundred and eighty five pounds. He doesn't pounds. weigh anything. Like he's been getting smaller and smaller and smaller over time, and he looked terrible. I mean, he he looked terrible for a football player. He looked perfectly fine as a human. Um, yeah, but, but that's the problem is he's not supposed to be a normal human. He's supposed to be a superhuman. <laughs> Indeed, I, I, Jr. I did enjoy the Jack's um, American Sports Bar story quite a bit. Um, it was yeah. a, a good tale of comeuppance and and uh, you know betting and whatnot. That was that was good. I like that a lot. Truly great. Yeah. yeah. For those who don't know, there's a bar on Milwaukee's east side. They set up a promotion that you could come to any any Jets game, watch the Jets game at the bar, 
And if the Jets lose, they would pay your bar tab. There are stipulations. Aaron Rodgers has to start the game, has to be the starting quarterback, and you have to open your bar tab 15 minutes before the game starts. So you're there, you're and you have to be there the whole game. So you're there, you're drinking, you have to spend all that, all that money, all that time up front, and then or rather you you know you you put it on your credit card and then at the end if the jets lose hooray you get it all for free and if not okay it's time to pay well obviously there will be no more starts with Aaron Rodgers so this was turned out to be a one night thing there were going to be 13 games that this applied to during the course of the season there were four that conflicted with Packers games and they weren't going to preempt their Packers uh Packers watching so it was going to be a 13 game thing but then of course people saw Aaron Rodgers go out drank and drank and drank and drank all night long last night only to have Xavier Gibson, the hard knocks celebrity who just barely made <laughs> the roster, yeah. win the game in overtime on a punt return. And all of a sudden, these it's dawning on these people that they have to pay their actual bar tabs. It's live television, live local TV was there for to capture the scene. AJ Bayatpour was there. Just an incredible television, incredible moment, incredible promo on the on par and, and genius with George Webb's, although it, you know, it will be so short-lived that it won't yeah. it won't quite live in that canon. But oh my goodness. Uh Jack's uh Jackson Milwaukee. Well done, everybody. You you guys uh you guys are one of the big winners of NFL week one. There was some uncouth cheering when Aaron got hurt that that made the broadcast. And it, I kind of get it because, like, you're not you're not thinking about him as a human at that point. You're thinking about your bar tab, and I so I, I do get it. Yes. It's it's a fan moment. I don't. They got raked over. They were the also probably pretty buzzed. At yeah, that yeah. Point due too. to the promotion, I mean, by I the don't time, know. Four snaps in. You have to be there. Four, yeah, but okay. Though, so so I, I'm I'm going to assume that it's a similar situation to when I go to a Packer bar here. If you're not there an hour before the game, you're not getting a seat. No. It did. It did so, look pretty crowded. Not. Yeah. So probably so. Um, but yeah, it was my, it, it my, a beautiful moment. My whole reaction is very complicated. Like there is a part of my brain that experiences just a tiny bit of Schadenfreude. I'm sure. Like okay, maybe because the Packers just dodged a bullet. Oh yeah. You know, like from a basically pure... trading away a guy who was about to explode. Yeah. From a pure like just selfishness perspective, they still did very well trading him away, even with a second rounder. And this is why you do it. Like the risk there is very high, and this is the risk coming to fruition. So yeah, you you were smart about this. You, I like it when my teams do smart things. I, I just do. Yeah, it makes me happy. And this was a smart thing. And I don't I'm want still Aaron. really bummed though. Yeah, I'm bummed too. I mean, like I don't want him to suffer. I don't like anybody going out due to injury. Like I I like it when quarterbacks take victory tours and have that one more try for a successful season and go out on their own terms. And I don't like seeing guys carted off the field probably to never return. Maybe he will. I mean, it's not impossible. Just he's pretty old and mm. it's a rough injury. But um, it's sad to see. You know, he's not mean, great. Also, he's he's not going to be taking like modern sports medicine recovery, right? <laughs> well, right. Like, it's not like a drug thing, though. I, I feel like... I, I mean, but this, it, it also is. like It's kind of. But I feel like the pseudoscience people... It's like the God hates amputees principle. It's If it's something that's intangible and you can't really see... then I'm it, sorry, the what? God hates amputees. I also need to know more about God hates amputees. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys don't know that? about God hates amputees? No. Is that a band? So uh, it, this kind of goes back to like 700 Club. <laughs> I and accidentally like, hit mute. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> And like televangelists, so it, it, like you, you get like these 
you know, TV preachers who will like take prayer requests to pray to fix uh, some ailments for people. Uh, like Pat Robertson used to do this on Seven Hundred Club, and his kid did on Seven Hundred Club. Where they like at the end of the show, they'd be like, "And this person sent in a request and some money, and we're praying for their, you know, cancer or their cold or their something inside your body that you can't see to be healed." And then that person would write in like later, but it scam of course because that doesn't work and be like oh it healed me i'm all healed and so somebody started a website called god hates amputees because of course god has never once made somebody's arm or leg grow back as part of a prayer request it's always something you can't see and i think that that principle applies to sort of Aaron and pseudoscientific medicine generally where um like you'll see um essential oils and whatnot for sale to cure things that are not perceptible, obviously, to the naked eye. Um, but if you if you have a tendon that's slashed, you need to actually go in and sew it back together. Like you so, can't. So a couple of things. One, I have a really funny story. One time, I was with my wife's family, and I was like, "Hey guys, I have some really bad indigestion. Do you have some tums?" And her aunt goes, "Yeah, we have some tums, but I also have some great essential oils." And I went. Yeah, so do you have any Tums? <laughs> and like, apparently, no one had called her aunt on her essential oils BS, and so the whole family just like busted up laughing. Uh, so the other thing is, is oh, there there's a two sides to the coin of the uh, non-traditional bro science, very specifically with some of the company that Aaron chooses to keep. Um, there is multiple members of his circle that believe in injectable peptides as cure-alls one of which actually has a lot of placebo controlled double blind studies however they're they're rodent studies there's not a lot of human studies on it okay it's a pe- there's a peptide called bpc 157 his his best friend bro jogan talks about it pretty regularly <laughs> okay um I have some friends who are untested athletes that regularly use injectables and they swear by BPC 157. Um, I know this guy, Chad, he tore both of his quads, <laughs> did not get I, surgery. I this guy, Chad, keep going. <laughs> so he tore both of his uh, quads and did not get He surgery. tore both of his quads. He was squatting 800 and b- both of his quads had partial tendon tears. Partial tendon um, tears. Uh, and instead of having surgery, well, one was a complete, one was partial. And instead of having surgery, he... Um, used injectable peptides and squatted. It was like Matt, 785. They can't make yeah. the tendon grow back together. It's severed. Yes, they do. No, they do not. That does not happen. I, it's a I, full I mean, I can, link, I, I, I can link you the rodent study of, of BP, BPC-157 injections and rodents miraculously regrowing tendons. One half of his Achilles tendon is in one part of his leg and the other half is yeah, in sure. a different part of his leg. And, and it's, it is going to require surgery. However, the healing process is shown anecdotally to so greatly I, that's fine accelerate like, you can take a bunch of pseudo steroid type stuff to make healing go faster that is true that's fine yes. so I'm, I'm saying with that. so i'm saying that there's there's a chance where he like tries to rub essential oils on it and nothing happens or there's a chance where he takes <laughs> technically takes not thumbs. against technically not against the rules experimental research drugs that his friends use that's that's what I'm saying. Those okay. are your two fine fair. scenarios. I'm just saying, post surgery, he will probably at least do the prescribed rehab and maybe even get a boost by semi illegal things, but probably not suffer. They're worse not illegal. It, they're, it, ju- they're research chemicals. Okay. Air quotes, hard air Whatever. Quotes. <laughs> I th- they're also not water banned. 
because I, I simply cannot wait to move on from this conversation. Same. I am curious, <laughs> I, I really think this is going to be an interesting test of just his like the chip on his shoulder. Like, does he really want to put himself through an eight month rehab process at age 39 into into age 40 and, and come back? I mean, he tried to tell us and whether or not we believe him or not is another matter, but he tried to tell us that this, he was very close to walking away this last year. If that's truly the case, then I cannot imagine he's going to want to do this for to himself other than, you know, you know, leaving so much on the table in terms of what he could do for the New York jets. Um, so I, I am fascinated to know where it goes from here. I'll be really interested to hear him talk and, uh, you know, like I said, I I I, I do feel bad. I, I feel bad even though I don't pity New York fans. New York Jets fans have suffered quite a bit, far more than <laughs> Packers fans. And uh, I I do think this, they put a lot of eggs in this basket, completely understandably so. And it is got to be completely jarring to have woken up this morning knowing that they have no quarterback again yeah. <laughs> and a pretty good team. And they showed it. They just beat the Bills. Granted, Josh Allen, what what's going on there? Ooh, but they just beat the Buffalo Bills. Like, that's not nothing. And they did it without a quarterback. That's incredible. Yeah. Did you guys see the Schefter tweet? Uh, no. He said this is the most devastating sports injury ever. Well, that's... Um, <laughs> it, it's not. And I, and I was like... Because I, I, uh, I saw Andy Schaffrey tweeted it. He's like, this is a little dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And I, see, it, it, was, it was a bit dramatic. Nice and my, res I, my I response... Think... Well, my response was Drew Bledsoe tearing his ACL was more devastating to the Jets than this is. <laughs> did, True. <laughs> did Mike Greenberg write that tweet? I suppose that might have been what happened. Oh, Mike man, Greenberg I, is upset. His his Twitter feed was, was was curated by his daughter. Like he was so upset. And people are like, oh, he should take the day off. And then someone else is like, he's been on his own radio show 14 times this year. He's had enough days off. He's good. Uh Greeny. All right. Well, that was that was the day after the Bears Packers. Yes. Celebration. Back back on the smart team that did the right thing. Um, <laughs> um we 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 kept a young quarterback who is not hurt and we look good. We look really really good. Um <laughs> You said you said you have some nitpicks and we're, I want to start with the thing that is the only important the main important thing and that's how Jordan Love played. And I guess this is my untrained eye watching him play. Obviously, a great day for Jordan Love. Three touchdown passes. There's a, just a ton to like. But I I watched him and I felt like everything was like just the way he kind of dips his elbow to make every throw, the way off his back <laughs> foot. I, I Obviously, he hit the open guys and that's what matters. But it, it was almost like, was it almost performative? How he was almost trying to like emulate some some of those guys who kind of just make those crazy throws in traffic and stuff when the throws weren't actually in traffic when they were just you know schemed open guys i, I mean I, again like i think he look I, I think the, the numbers speak for themselves the performance was great was was he actually good though paul i need somebody to like really say to me okay this these are the things that he did really well these are the things that still need work etc cetera, etc cetera. i think he was good so he has he has some minor mechanical things and i think he needs to to do a better job of making good, solid mechanical throws on some of the simpler throws he makes. But, like, some of those dropping the arm down were just, like, really, really fun. They were, like, the kind of playmaking you can't really teach people. I saw some people complaining about that uh, that, that screen throwback to Aaron Jones, the, the big lollipop where he kind of did a pirouette. Even Justice complained a little bit about it with uh, Andy Herman yesterday. Um, I thought it was great and helped sell the play. Like he, <laughs> it's such a spontaneous, quick turn, and he looked like he was having such a good time. Uh, more than anything, he he again, like he did all preseason, he made the right read like every single time. 
Um, he, he Sorry, pulled, would, you, would you say he was like a kid out there? He was like a kid out there. He, <laughs> the only thing he did really wrong decision-wise was he pulled it down a couple times when I think um, even pulling it down maybe would have worked better if he hadn't run right into people, but uh, could have maybe stuck with the play just a hair longer, but that only happened like twice. Um, and even he even got kind of done dirty on a couple of missed throws. Like Dylan dropped one, didn't really matter because it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Um, Reed, oh, the one to the flat? Yeah, and like yeah. there were two to Reed, and I, I saw most people blame uh, Love for not putting it a little bit further outside, which I do agree with, uh, but Reed also is not a good um, not against bigger guys, not a good contested catch guy. He looks like a good contested catch guy from college, but he's a teeny tiny guy, and he's not actually one. Um, so he, he's he's good when he's open. He's very good when he's open. But um, I think Love played sensational, and he his if he had completed like two more passes and gotten his his rating up to like sixty percent, it would look a lot better on paper than it does as well. But um, so like. Some of those throws, like holding linebackers in the middle of the field, that the one, uh, the one that Reed did catch for thirty yards was just a phenomenal play. Okay, just phenomenal. I'm doing a great throw. I'm doing an great. entire okay. I am restarting hottest take of the week because of that throw. Because <laughs> QB school uh, and the Bengals is that why you're doing this? Because he made he made that exact same throw did, in preseason did. week one. It's it it is mechanically exactly the same. He held the linebackers exactly the same, but it was to Musgrave instead of Reed. He missed preseason week one, got eviscerated for it. He made this throw, and now it's all anyone can talk about. And I am, I am in my feelings about it. <laughs> but he did. He hit him in stride. It was. He, it was it, amazing. It was phenomenal. It was throw, uh, like both touchdown throws were just great precision throws to Dobbs. Um, both, I guess, Dobbs ones. Um, the 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 posterizing throw, which was, I think, a, a run solution, if memory serves, that was great. The one at the back of the end zone in the middle of the field, all the middle of the field stuff was so good. When he can see in front of him, he does not miss that much. He's really, really good at doing that. Um, and then uh, he had uh, he, he had he had one more really, really good. Oh, the the Musgrave throw wasn't great. Uh, there's two of them. First of all, the Musgrave one that was caught where he fumbled the snap. I just like how cool he was on it. Like he didn't panic. He didn't go to pieces. He didn't like kick it to the other team. I feel like uh, like a bear quarterback definitely would have done that. Had that happened to them. Uh, he, he just calmly got it. And even though he was being hit, he relied on his arm and he whipped it down the field. And Musgrave, who is a baby giraffe, managed to catch it before he fell over, which is good. Hey, did um, you did you catch his post game interview? No, I didn't. He went to turn around and he cramped up. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, no. Oh. Are you serious? Yes. That makes so, so much sense in retrospect. Because you watch it and you're like, wait, that's the tight end that's supposed to be faster than everybody? That's Mercedes Lewis, what you're yep, seeing so right he, there. So you, you notice he takes two good steps. And then like he goes to turn upfield and just crumbles yeah apparently just went down in so yeah. much sense <laughs> but paul you, you know you're talking about the poise there even and i thought the same thing about the fourth and three that was a short pass to aaron jones which of course turns into a touchdown right on the money but that was a moment where he absolutely could have botched that and he's hey, botched hey, short throws yeah yeah and, and it was perfect yes jared do you know why they call it a texas route why do they call it a texas route my because when you run it correctly you have as much running room as the state of texas very good. Very that good. Anyway, yeah. yeah, halfback angle. He definitely had well, running room. Yes. So, Sorry. like, he, I, I feel like he has actually kind of a similar Rodgers problem where a lot of the throws he misses are mechanically poor to, like, the running backs in the flat or to guys right on the line of scrimmage because that's not his game. Like, he is 
Uh, he is a playmaking arm thrower. Uh, like I was talking about comps with actually with Easy earlier today, and I think we arrived at somewhat similar ones, although a little bit different. Which is he went for Ben Roethlisberger, who isn't a traditionally accurate passer, but buys time by being unknockdownable, basically. So he's he, he's able to compensate with big plays because you can't take Ben down because he's such a big goofus. And mine was Donovan McNabb, who's kind of similar, who is also not that. Yeah, I like I passer. like the McNabb comp. Um, but he was also good at like subtly buying time and unsubtly buying time and making plays down the field. The McNabb and Roethlisberger are actually really similar numbers wise because of that. Um, so I like that comp. That's like a good ceiling to have if that's the guy you play like. And he, he I think he can get better. Like. Those are you can have two different throwing styles for you know short and easy and still busting out playmaking that Mahomes does. He's a very good pocket quarterback and obviously an outstanding non-pocket quarterback, and he can get there. But if, even if he's just like this for a while, this is fine. I, I love this game. He played really well, and also um, two he could have had two more touchdowns, easy peasy. Um, Musgrave, I think, if he keeps running on the other deep pass. I think he gets it. I, I People were speculating he'd maybe overthrown him a little bit, but if Musgrave actually runs full speed, I don't think he does. I think Musgrave gets to that ball. Wait, that, you mean, was it Torrey? You're talking about the no, one No, Musgrave had one where he cut it off. Torrey yeah. also had one. They both yeah. had one. Torrey... Well, it's funny. I was at a bar, right? And so the, the Torrey pass gets sailed, and we all looked at each other and went, Watson catches that. Watson does catch <laughs> that. Uh, you know, Torrey during camp had all of the, like, precise drill highlights of him running his routes perfectly straight like you're supposed to keeping to that line and that didn't happen on that play he got all drifty and wandery and lost a bunch of space so um any one of those and this day looks even better than it was which is already really good um so yeah i i I think he had a really good game just decision making command of the offense it's just these like little tiny mechanical throws that are a problem for him and i don't care and like pff dinged him a zillion times for it and that's stupid too um Clean this up, and you are an outstanding quarterback. Don't clean it up, and you're you're good. You're good. You're so good. In in his non traditional mechanics, I'll call it. Some of his sidearm throws were so impressive because he threw the ball like he was throwing a punch, where it was all torque. It's and like it a all catcher started throw. at the hips. It's, it's, it started at the hips, yeah. and it was all sidearm and just just torque, and and he can zip it in there but yeah like it was it was the throw to second right like you're coming off your knees and you're just torquing everything into it yep it's a, it also, a good com- it, it gets very easy to forget that he was missing his top receiving option that his number two receiving option was guy who didn't practice very much that week yep you and could also say he was hamstrung uh, yes, and all his other receiving <laughs> options are like first and second year players. So I got that's I, really hard to believe. I have one other thing I want to bring up too, because after the game, I, I, so I touted, I, I thought Malik Heath would have a bigger game than he did. He had one target for no catches, and you know, star of preseason. So I wanted to go watch him when twenty two came out today, which it did for me at least. Um, and so I, I dialed that up with the intent of watching Malik Heath. And I accidentally ended up watching Dontavian Wicks like for his first like ten routes. That guy was open all game long. Um, he hmm. was the so they played like two different sets of receivers in eleven personnel. It was Dobbs, um, Reed, and uh, Wicks, and in uh, t- twelve and uh, twenty two and uh, t- twenty one, it was actually Toure and uh, Heath playing in the run blocking position, wide receivers for some reason. I don't know why, but they were. But Heath, I kind of get Toure's not that good at it, but. Um, Wicks as the third option there just didn't get looks. He get a couple and they were he he dropped one unfortunately. 
his release was really good. He was actually open deep a couple times, like wide open deep. Other people were too. And I bet he has a big game sometime soon when people take away the first two options a little bit better. He was re- he was like secretly really good in this game. That is very encouraging. Yes. I, I mean, there was across the board, offense, defense. How many like how many newcomers made a play? Lucas Van Ness, who did like nothing in the preseason, comes up with this incredibly athletic sack. Uh, Carl Brooks gets a sack. Uh, you, you know, obviously Romeo Dobbs, who, who was there last year, but he had two touchdown catches <laughs> coming Devontae off of an Wyatt. injury. De- Devontae Wyatt absolutely ate people for lunch. Which also, um, by the way, so so Wyatt's sack was play wreck through and through. He did not even, like, there, there was a fake to the running back. He didn't even glance at the running back. He was just like, I am coming to eat Fields' face. And pretty much. Have you guys have you guys seen the slow-mo? Like from the end zone angle, that's like zoomed in on his face. <laughs> yes, I have. It, it, it is literally the thumbnail for the YouTube condensed game. It is is Wyatt's face just like? Rrr. I don't think Wyatt got credit for that forced fumble when Fields when he when he caught Fields from behind. I thought that was Devontae's ball, but maybe not. Yeah, I thought so too. So, um, what we can also move into coaching changes uh, from last year to this year too. At this point, which is uh, last year, the Packers had the second lowest stunt rate of any team on defense, and uh, in Week One, they had the highest stunt rate of any team on defense. They ran stunts for their first, I think, ten defensive snaps, and uh, ended up with just running a ton of them. And Wyatt is really good at them. So, um, you mean the hyper athletic three hundred and twenty pound dude who just ran tons of stunts in college? Yes, he turns out he's good at that. (laughs) It's it's almost okay. I, I I mean, it's the Ratatouille meme, right? Like, do you think Wyatt went up to Joe Barry and was like, "Hey, now that I'm a starter, do you want to use me correctly?" Like, <laughs> I'm guessing that uh, Wyatt's not that persuasive, given how they don't seem to care for him, and he does seem to be an Iverson out there. Um, he is not a practice player; he is a game player, and uh, I'm just going <laughs> to ignore his practice work from now on. I think that's just what we have there, and it's preseason. Not, not a game. Area. Not a game. Not a game. Yep. Talking about practice. Talking about practice. Um, yeah, just good. Obviously, the the next big question after we're done talking about love is, is this a real performance from the team or is it a performance against the Chicago Bears? And <laughs> and like the Bears, obviously, they thought they were going to be better. They thought Justin Fields was going to take a step forward. They thought they added enough pieces on defense. So I, I think I think it seems like everybody was wrong. It seems like maybe they're just really really bad. So, uh, but but maybe I mean maybe, maybe not. Maybe the Packers are just good. So how do you how do you look at that? Obviously it's too early to really get a sense of who's good and who's bad. Do you, but... do you remember the Rodgers quote in 2019 after week 1? Need more context. There were many. Yes. So Aaron Rodgers in his post-game interview 2019 week 1 just smiles, looks at the mic and says, "We got a defense." Oh, we got a defense. Oh yeah. We got a defense. All right. And we very much did not have a defense. It was just we played against the Mitch Trubisky Bears. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I, I mean, it's my creed every year, right? Like, no one knows anything until week six. That's true. That's- so, I think, we first of all, it's probably a little of both, but we should acknowledge the Bears do suck horribly. They're, they're very, very bad. And, and like, not even in the meme way. Like, they're just, like, a legitimately terrible team. Like, I live here, and prior to Bear Packer Week, 
I I'd written a lot about how oh the Bears are obviously bad. Like they obviously suck. They're gonna you know their projection from outsiders is five wins. That seems about right. They didn't add that much talent. I got some idiot in the comment section of last week's podcast being like they added all these guys. Yeah, they did. All those guys suck. Um and. So like I get to okay, the TJ way, Edwards to, got eaten for lunch, got cooked. I get to this week way, and like Paul, all of a sudden you, you I, need to provide you need to provide context. There are three uh, people who understand what you're talking about. So, all right, uh, it's boring. Really, really quick. When we, I was, I, I'll do the quick version. Fine. I'm a I'm a moderator oh, on the APC comment section. I go into the comments for RAE. Turns out that a Bears fan wandered in, listened to the podcast, and like live tweeted his reactions in fifteen comments. I think it was more than fifteen, but yes, he did. Uh, I, I posted. Well, two he of accused them. us of being smug, which is not unfair. No, that's true. That's fine. I used it as an advertisement for the podcast. I'm totally fine with that. Um, <laughs> but so I get to this week, and I start talking to Chicago people. I went on a Chicago podcast, and uh, it's Bears fans uh, just. It is me having been ensconced in like nerd stuff about the Bears and like Mike Tanya writing in the FO annual like the, the the Fields experiment is probably a failure to start off the whole thing and I get, I talk to people here and they're like well we think Fields is really good and we got all these new people and we got DJ Moore I think we can win like ten eleven games this year and I'm like yeah D- do you oh, oh maybe I'll go watch some more stuff and no no you can't do that you're not going to um and. It starts with Fields. He's he's bad. He's a bad quarterback. We have a lot of sample on him now. He sucks terribly. Uh, Getzy might <laughs> suck too. He's, he's good at running. He's good at running the ball. He's good at running. They should. So they're in a tough spot. I do kind of get Getzy called a bad game. They go watch QB school stuff on the Bears. It's more fun than the Packers this week. Um, but uh, Getzy, I think, can't call a lot of plays because he knows that Justin can't run most of those plays. Mm. And I think that they're hesitant to call too many running plays for him. A, because they'll get him hurt, which uh, you know, maybe not, who cares? But I think that they'll also kind of win a few too many games doing that. They're like you get fields hurt. You'll probably win like four or five games with him, with him going crazy running the ball. And that, that leaves, you nowhere good either. So I think they want to, <laughs> they want to push the pass here and make him do it with the intent of him sucking. That's my guess. So, um, yeah, Bears fans that are actually in the know and aren't like insufferable homers were complaining that St. Brown was inactive for that game. Yeah, he was because they called a lot of stretch runs. Oh, without his blocking, (laughs) and he's their best blocking wide receiver. Yeah, he is. So yeah, so so they were they were requiring a wide receiver to seal the edge, and they didn't have their best blocking wide receiver even active that day. I'm like, wow. So they're they're dumb to the core. They might like, be dumb. They might still be. They might need a total redo on the coaching staff too. It's hard to tell. But well, that's your curse, right? Like, like you said nice things, and now they're bad. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm very powerful. And on defense, <laughs> on defense, they they did they added like middle middle. They they added defensive linemen and inside linebackers, but. They still had the same secondaries last year, and I saw th- this is a very every team thing, but certainly a bear thing where like people will, uh, like radio personnel and journalists will go through the list of the bear secondary people and be like, well, that guy's pretty good, and that guy's up and coming, and that guy's up and coming, and that guy's pretty good. And like, actually, um, one of those guys isn't good, and those up and coming guys suck and probably aren't going to up and come. Like Kyle Gordon's not good, I don't think, and he got hurt. And Eddie's fine, but he had a bad, bad game. And Jaquan Brisker isn't good. Like he talks a lot, but he's not a good Look, player. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie didn't. 
Eddie didn't have a bad game. He was Eddie, fine. Eddie was fine, and the problem is, is because Brisker was so bad, he needed to be superhuman. He needed to be superhuman. He did get toasted on one of the Dobbs touchdowns, um, but yes. he was also in like an impossible position. So, is what it is. But they're bad. They do suck, and so we we don't know as much about the Packers as we could had they played a reasonably competent opponent, and we might not for a few weeks because the uh, the. Uh, Offense is right, because they're up. they're playing bears. They're playing bears indoors. They're playing bears week. indoors next week, which is a, <laughs> as much Atlanta preview as you might get from us. Bears indoors with a better offensive line is what the Falcons are. So, um, and th- that is what we got. Better QB question mark? I don't think so. Um, Des- Ritter is like neck and neck with Fields on every single stat that matters from last week. Uh, he completed a higher percentage of passes, but he had like fewer air yards, which is, uh, you know. Super cool. <laughs> um, well, only uh, Drake London, the Atlanta receiver who's worth a damn, had zero catches on one target. Uh, they had one pass over five yards, I think, which was a Kyle Pitts double-covered play that he made. It was not It was not good. It was ugly. Um, Man, I, I took Kyle Pitts in two different leagues because he was available like three rounds after his average draft position. Yeah. And gonna, I was like, how can you not take him? They're going to run on like 70% of their snaps. It just having any receiver on that team is not useful. And that might work yeah. against Green Bay, maybe, but we'll see. But uh, I am I think we I don't know. Qu- Quay looked like a different person this week. Quay was good. Two he's got a concussion. He was involved a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he got rocked, man, at the end of that interception. Sure as fun did. as that play was, I bet we find out that we're going to – I bet we find out that Quay Walker isn't going to play for a little while. Yeah. That'd be my he, guess, too. It looked rough. He ran harder than our 250-pound running back. <laughs> I was kind of screaming at the television to because because Quay scores that touchdown. He, he got absolutely blown up at the goal line. One of the offensive linemen just, like, bent his body back. Yeah. And then all the players are gathered around him, like, pounding on his helmet. And I'm just thinking, stop pounding on yes. his helmet. You're like, the you're, guy's you're in pain. You can him. Stop doing that. Right. Yeah. Like he needs, he needs people to back off uh, because he was, he was injured. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, the, the injury report will be important because obviously Aaron Jones had some cramping in his hamstring and Jaden Reed, I think that was also cramps, but it looked really bad in the yeah. moment that he might, he might be out for a while. He was so back on the hamstring. They're going to they're gonna so. come away out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. So, so he's probably fine, but they're going to come away a little dinged up here. A little bit. Um, but we should talk more about the defense. But before we do, I did want to talk about two more coaching things uh, that the offense did that they didn't do last year because Aaron hates it and that paid big dividends. Um, one is throw to the middle of the field, which they did. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times to great effect. Uh, scored two touchdowns there. Um, that the middle of the field on Aaron charts is basically always just an empty ghost zone of nothingness. Um, and uh, the they were the fifth highest team in pre-snap motion, and it was really cool pre-snap motion too. Like they had guys running full speed um, at the at the snap, like every single snap that they ran, and it confused the ever-loving crap out of the Bear secondary. So um, they they ran pre-snap motion on seventy-one point seven percent of their plays, which is a super huge increase from last year. I, I I'm loving the offense. Also- Oh my god, the Jones screen. I was screaming. I I was the only person in the bar that saw the complexity of that screenplay. That's one where I saw the leak out the other way when it happened too. And I was like just waiting for him to get it. It was roller coaster because then, you know, he threw the pass all lollipoppy and I was like, Oh, is it gonna work? And then it didn't matter because it was just set up so well. And Oh god, it was so he had three blockers. Yeah. It was just, just waiting it was like there. that. 
it, it reminded me of uh eddie lacy in throwbacks against the eagles yep remember when he he had like a 70 yard screen pass and he had two blockers the whole way <laughs> oh that, that's what it felt like that's what and a screen it, pass it, should be just so much deception so much confusion at the snap and then it just works so well. That's what you're supposed to look like when, when they do this stuff. I love how many just open just... guys they had. So many open <sighs> guys. We're not used to open guys. Yeah. Usually it's Aaron dropping dimes like over safeties deep. Like And uh, what other teams are getting super open on Joe Barry. Like We, we actually got to flip-flop that. Like, hey, look, our tight end is just standing there alone in the secondary. Uh, it's about time also, that happened. They ran a lot of man, even though Justin Fields is a running threat. And they... I'm not going to say that they completely corralled him, but like, it no, he still had a worked game. pretty well yeah. on the on the ground. They 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 had a lot of zone mixed in there too. Like they had a lot of Jair plus zone in that game. And uh, yeah, what's that? Uh, what do they call that? Mabel? I don't know. Well, you've got you've got uh, <laughs> Mabel you've got man though. on man on one side and cover three on the other. Yeah, isn't it? It's a it's a Nick Saban thing, isn't it? Uh, it, yeah. Well, I, yes. I'm googling this. Now. <laughs> we'll go with yes. Um, I think we've kind of gone through a lot of the defense because we already praised yeah, I those think people. I, what stands out for me on defense is I, I don't think Rudy Ford was particularly effective, and no. I still think safety is an issue. Uh, maybe it highlights how good Darnell Savage was, that he was able to play, you know, that he was able to be so effective as the one safety he was. I think Keyshawn Nixon is a question mark still. I think everybody else on the defense played well. Yeah, I think Keyshawn is kind of up and down. Like, he did get – he got roasted on the Mooney play. That was also kind of a tough spot for him. But he was a good tackler. He's like a special teams guy. Like, yeah, if it's I in think front it's... of him, he's a mauler. <laughs> and the the Claypool play, we should give him some props for because it was great. Um, but it, going backwards, I think it's going to be rough with him. Going forward is going to be pretty good with him. Yeah. So Nixon is absolutely everything you would expect from a great special teamer yep. pretending to be a corner. That's mm-hmm. exactly yeah. how he plays. Well, Rudy Ford but too. He... I mean, Rudy Ford is a special teams ace. Who? Yeah. Also, Ru- Rudy Ford uh, somehow had the best and the worst hit of the game at the same time uh, at one point he absolutely destroyed someone i think it was in the first quarter and then in the third quarter he got stood up by a running back yeah. and it was like embarrassing like i wonder that. if that hurt him a little bit yeah on the first one that could be hmm. but i mean kenny clark is unbelievable Rizul Douglas, I think, maybe got away with some stuff but uh <laughs> was mostly well, effective. The, the bears were the bears were mugging people too um you guys ever oh, sure you guys ever listen to new heights I don't even know what media forum. Oh, it's it the, is. the Kel- the the Kelsey Brothers um, show podcast, whatever. Nope. Um, they introduced me to the concept of something that I'm now paying attention to. Blows my mind. Wearing your opponent's jersey color as a glove. <laughs> um, watch for it now. That's fascinating. The, pa- the Packers' offensive line and defensive backs were all wearing dark gloves, and the no Bears' kidding. offensive line were all wearing white gloves. Huh. I guess that makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, and so you, ca- you can't see you can't see holding. And they talked about this on their on their podcast. And and uh, Julian Edelman, I think, was a guest, and he talked about like Bill Belichick yelling at him for wearing red gloves, playing against a white jerseyed opponent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, check out glove color, and I will bet you that it, there's a direct correlation between glove color and holding calls. All right. Fascinating. Sweet. I mean, our team's going to have to get like 10 different pairs of gloves this year to make that, oh, make they, that all match I mean, up. You're looking at dudes where if if it's raining, you're looking at different gloves every series. Yeah. True. Well, that's 
Red Congratulations gloves. to glove manufacturers, especially those who produce strange colors, like whatever the Seahawks yep. are wearing at a given day. Or it's, uh, <laughs> you know what else? Yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm waiting to see like like Jair and like highlighter green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, yeah, Moore two catches for 14 yards, and we mentioned that we did not. DJ Moore, we, J- Jair was great. Incredible. Incredible. So good. Signing autographs hey, yeah, before did... the game was over, also incredible. <laughs> it was... Extreme swag. J- Jair is everything that you hate in a player who's not on your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. That yep. man on 31 other teams, you we would be talking Just so much trash ball. about him. I think oh. like also underrated good leader who actually has made a material difference in the defensive strategy in addition to being awesome at playing. So good guy to have on your team. Really, really good guy to have on your team. Um, all right, should we do special teams or nitpicks real quick? I mean, uh, well, you special... got you got you got to talk about the monster. Is that AJ? Anders, that don't call me home, Vic. Let's talk about Anders. He Carlson. was great. Oh, just just a, like a like, oh, he murdered that ball. He he kicked that ball. It, it was good from seventy, man. That was insane. It's gonna get right, longer every time people mention it. <laughs> it was definitely good. It from was 60. it was perfectly through the yeah. uprights, which is the part I loved. Yeah, it well, was perfectly it's straight, not... very far, and off the worst turf in the NFL. So you can't well, ask for more the, than that. Um, it, I, I don't. I think it's CBS. CBS does like how how far it would have been good from, right? Do they really? I've never noticed. Yeah, because yeah, because that's Collinsworth, his crew. Yeah. No, so I, they they do like a they do like a at this angle and trajectory it would have been good from uh, like like I, like oh there was a fifty three yard field goal it would have been good from sixty five, like Fox doesn't do that but I would like to see the stats on <laughs> truly. I would also like was, to see that. It was very high up the uprights and it was what fifty three yards. Yeah, we need a dong bot for field goals. I agree with you. <laughs> this field goal would have been good in thirty dong- major league <laughs> baseball stadiums. And Waylon pulls down the. Uh... Oh no! We have lost. We JR. have lost Jr. Waylon puts the. Eh. Oh, there he's, he's back. Hey, Jr's back. We, we hey. lost. We lost you at Waylon pulls down. The snap. The the. Oh yeah! The, it, it, it was, was a high tricky, snap. It was a tricky snap, but he made it. Made it happen. He did. Waylon had a good game uh, with. Snap catching and with punting. Uh, nice job knocking the crap out of the ball. Well done. Yes, good job, everybody. I do want to mention really quick that A.J. Dillon sucks. And, uh, <laughs> he had a really bad day. He had a bad day. He missed a lot of obvious holds. Um, he is apparently good dropped in... Dropped a pass. Yeah, he dropped a pass. He is apparently good in pass pro, but like he could have walked into the end zone at one point and just ran into the back of his own man and seems to do that a lot. And like I kind of get them not wanting to run Aaron Jones so much he gets hurt. Like, I wish they would use him more than they do. But I get the protecting of him. But I would like to see them, like, maybe split AJ and Patrick Taylor or Emmanuel Wilson, like, 50-50 on the back half of that. Like, you can get somebody else involved. Um, like, okay, so during garbage time when Patrick Taylor was out there, yeah. I was like, where the hell was he the whole game? Yeah, yeah, like, ripping off 12-yard teams. runs around the edge. He was on teams. He played well on teams, but... Right, I don't, I don't care. Look, okay, there was one point where I think it was like third down, and Lafleur went over to talk to Basaccia, and I was like, no, 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 you control the fake safeties. Don't talk to the offense people, and also, <laughs> we we needed Patrick Taylor way more than we needed AJ. Like a human being who produces that much of a force vector should not be tackled or stood up by 180 pounds of DB. 
He always takes is, the wrong angle. He doesn't get low enough. He's just not good technically. But here's the like like uh, uh, James Starks ran so upright that he could have been clotheslined on every single run, and he got stood up less than AJ Dillon. He did. Does. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's it's it is it is <laughs> just from a from a physics standpoint and a conservation of momentum. It is mind boggling. It's like he's actively bad on purpose. It makes no sense. <laughs> well, we'll get it figured out. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be the mayor for a while. They gotta work him in, but whatever. I mean, he's gonna be the mayor for sixteen more games. <laughs> <laughs> Questions? Should we do them? Yes, let's do them. Okay, Let's shout outs go. to Patreon. Patreon, well, we yes. have so Oh, really quick, many. before we get into questions proper, sorry, I sometimes forget to tell people how they can get in on this because as the season moves on, we tend to get more Patreon questions. And part of our Patreon deal is we will answer them if you ask them on the Patreon. Um, if you want to join the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash mketailgates, uh, where the request for questions goes up like two days before the pod most of the time. And uh, for $2, you get question priority on this podcast and the other one, Wonka's Tailgate Podcast. Uh, two, two bucks a month, you can ask whatever you want. We'll answer it with uh, some exceptions like swearing and racism. Uh, we won't do that. But, you know, <laughs> for the most for the most part. Um, Are you, we do swe- swearing all the time. Fine swearing. We'll do swearing. Jeez. Um, and then, <laughs> not the other thing, though. And uh, if, if you... Oh. If you pledge five bucks a month, uh, I also do a another mini pod, which is usually about twenty minutes long. Comes out on Friday, uh, previewing the next game in great statistical detail. So um, it's fun. People who subscribe tend to like it. Get a lot of comments on that too. But yeah, if you want your question read, we got a lot of Patreon questions, and you can try on Twitter, and you can try on Blue Sky, and you can try on the Avant Garde Discord. But uh, Patreon's what's getting getting you in. So let's let's kick it. All right, we'll start with JD. The Bears still suck. Thoughts? Sub-question. Does this performance change any of your thoughts prior to the game on the season as a whole and what this team could be? No, the Bears are who we thought they were, and we did not let them off the hook. Yeah, they're bad. And, yes, yeah, so sub-question. Um, I'm more optimistic now. I'm glad like they showed a lot of promise in preseason, and they did a lot of the same things in the regular season, and that's good. Regular season's harder. People throw more at you. Like It's a much higher bar, even against well, bad teams. And but also, how many times on this year podcast have we talked about the Green Bay Packers not putting away terrible opponents? Yeah, yeah. It happens. They let people back in all the time. Joe goes into yeah. a stupid prevent, and Aaron hands the ball off on RPOs. By the way, we only ran two RPOs, I think, all game long. Um and the and the triple option that didn't work. Yeah, that terrible day. triple option that was that, so bad. Burn, burn that oh, play. God. That's not a good. Play. There were a couple option like plays that did not go well. Yeah, early. Well, also, game, that early was on. that was. I'm I'm giving that one to Love. I think uh, he was supposed to hand it off. It looked like Jones had a pretty good hole, and the de didn't crash. So yeah, but it's, it's good. It's I think we should all be optimistic after that game, even though it was against a truly terrible Bears team. I, I am going to keep hold the line and think that this is still an eight to nine win team. Maybe things break right and they go 10, you know, like the game ended up at a really good place. Like you said, they put them away and that was great. But the first half was pretty, pretty mid. And then even like starting <laughs> in the third quarter, like that was not a team, you know, at one point kind of late there was that in the third quarter where they got back within 10 points. And, you know, I didn't think the Packers looked amazing. They looked amazing to close things down. They got a pick six. They got, you know, a couple big plays. So I, I guess I just uh, 
Like it's not like the whole game got me thinking that this team is so much better than I thought they were. I thought the whole game they were kind of trying to find it for a little bit, and then they did, which is good. Yes, Agreed. as I live and breathe, Jr. using Zoomer lingo. What did I say? You just called something mid. Uh, oh, I did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. Last I week so- we were speaking in French. This week Jr. is using TikTok words. Yeah, well, I got an eleven-year-old, and we're getting a little bit more into that oh, yeah. world. So, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna, so yeah, you're gonna pick up some things hanging out with the yeah. wrong crowd, which is your kids. That's what I'm doing. Uh, dead ass. That's sus. Yeah, <laughs> very, very sus. Uh, Dutch boy five, feeling good about the win, but less so about the team. Feel like the Packers beat up on a bad team. Having said that, I don't believe the outcome would have been significantly different if we had Rodgers. I do think it would have been significantly different if we had Watson. What say you? Bigger difference in that game would have been A, Rodgers, B, Watson, or C, someone else. I agree with Watson. Um, I think a few better receiver plays make that into an absolute blowout from kind of the get-go. And I agree. Like Aaron would have won the game handily, I'm confident, but would have done it in a very different and more difficult way of like picking on one-on-one matchups on the outside and trying to drop in dimes and um, not sticking to the game plan. Like Not as much pre-snap motion, lots of other weird crap going on. So um, yeah, Watson's a much bigger difference in this game, 100%. All right, Scarf21 says, this game has reaffirmed the conventional wisdom that feeding Aaron Jones equals good. How much do you think the Packers will need to spend to- spend to hire some fans to hold up signs to remind Matt LaFleur to feed Jones whenever he veers away, could use the word veer here, yes. from that or whatever reason? Did because you guys That see... was a complaint in the first half. He wasn't he wasn't doing enough yeah. with Aaron Jones. Did you, sorry, like tangential. Did you guys see the picture of the signs in the garbage outside of Soldier Yes, Field? they were very, very good about like where's where's <laughs> oh, Aaron now and stuff. It was it where was... where is A Aaron? And it was a bunch of sad Bears fans walking. <laughs> 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 it was it was a great picture. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, "That's a Pulitzer," but it's not going to win a Pulitzer. But it's a yeah. Pulitzer. It's, that is that is an album cover that is like your Tibetan oh. monk. It is. <laughs> it was so good. It's, it was so it's hard you, it's really hard you can't to get enough of bears fans tears it's really <laughs> yeah. strengthening stuff um so i think i i think lafleur is trying really hard not to overuse jones to the point where like we said it's a detriment but like i don't know i, I would rather aaron jones not get 30 touches a game yeah, it, it's a tricky balance to cut, and especially because he's such a big part of the passing game. Like Dylan's not going to go out wide or like run circle routes of any kind that are worthwhile. So you need Aaron to be available for those plays too, even though he's not always going to get the target on them, which makes it a little more difficult as well. I really think the problem isn't really so much that they need to use Jones more, like a little more, yes, but that they need a better backup to, to provide just more consistent production when they take Jones off the field. That's really it. It's almost like they don't need a change of pace back. They just need like a Jones light. They do. Like, yeah, Dylan's a problem, a bigger problem than you would anticipate him being for that reason. Just like average running back would be a perfectly good Aaron Jones guy to have. Alas, we don't have that. We have much below. No, we have two average running backs. They're just behind our second guy. Yeah, true. (laughs) They're not as well-loved. Mark Putscarby says, I'm definitely Team JR regarding the parking spot dilemma. That's right, Mark Putscarby, my man. (laughs) But for my question, did the Packers decide not to do captains this year, given the past controversy? Yeah, I didn't Uh, didn't see any Cs. Oh, you do? Uh, Actually, but... 
There were. There were captains. Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, Dallin Levitt were the week one captains, according to Packers.com. Okay, well, that, that those are the, the coin flip guys. Sure. He's, Is that he, not he's what talking, we're talking about, about? He's talking about, no, he's talking about Seager. Oh, like the overall team captains. Yeah. yeah with the, we're talking about the Zadarius Smith thing. Well, that was two years ago, was it not? Where Zadarius Smith got very sad. Yes. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, three years? Was that the 2020 season? No, it was season? two years. He only played last year with the Vikings. It was the year before that where he was sad and then played one game yep. and then didn't play again. Yep. That's right. He's been Yannick Ngakwe oh. at this point. He can only spend one season on a team. So, Since captains are dumb as a concept, it makes sense to me yeah. that they would do well, away it with was it a to big, avoid this sort of thing. It was a big deal during the uh, tunnel walkout when people were like, there's no C on Love's jersey. There's no C. And I was like, I don't see a C on anybody's jersey. I didn't jersey. see a C on anybody's jersey either. I think they might have done away with it because it is dumb. Also, on the subject of Cs, if you join a new team and get elected captain, your stars reset. Man, that makes me mad. Uh, is that a Madden thing, Matt? No, Aaron Charles Rogers was out there with his captaincy with four stars, and it was gold. There's which means it's, that's a five-year captain. Okay, mm. I didn't. Know Brett that, Favre, do I care. Brett Favre as a you jet. really studied the tape of that one or two plays that you played. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, it's, it's an all-white jersey with a with a sparkly gold captaincy. Brett Favre I as a jet. No idea what any of that stuff. Brett Favre as a jet wore a captaincy with one star, so he reset his stars. As his first year as a captain. Captains like, come like, from hockey. We don't need captains in football. Just leave it to hockey, which is all <laughs> weird. That's fine. <laughs> they play the game on the hardest surface on earth with knives on their feet. <laughs> it's a Blue Mountain hmm. State reference. I don't know if anybody watched you that show. You also notice in hockey, there's only football. one captain, and then there's a guy who wears an A for adulterer. No, that's not right. For, <laughs> assist, for It's only if it's scarlet. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I love Hawthorne references on this podcast. That makes me so happy. We we reference Hawthorne. Seven Hundred Club has come up. Something that is mid. We're, we have a wide we have a wide reach, guys. It's really great. Patrick Detmer says AJ Dillon has done a great job ingratiating himself into the community and becoming the mayor of Door County. He has an affable personality and appears to have a beautiful family and baby. He's good for content. Uh, that's my words, not Patrick Detmer. His new kids book is probably really, really good. In addition to this. He is a goldmine for content for yeah. our favorite trending sports reporters. Patrick Detmer, my man. I love our Patreon question askers. I love it. Early returns on the field this week, however, appear to be lacking. Do you think we will see him lose a share of the touches to Emmanuel Wilson or anyone else as the season goes on if Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, if Aaron Jones remains healthy? One can only hope. If it does happen, it'll probably be to Patrick, not Emmanuel Wilson, until Emmanuel Wilson can play special teams. Because Patrick, they're not going to keep four running backs on the roster at, at a time, and so it's going to be Patrick because of special teams. But yes, they should work him in for more meaningful carries. And I think I could see that happening as time goes on. If AJ's role gets reduced a little bit, I think that would be a legitimate thing to have happen. Um, you know, it's nice to be the mayor of Door County, but you also do have to produce on the actual football field <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Uh, so like kind of interesting of that Emmanuel Wilson... <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting that Emmanuel Wilson was not active for this game. They did not, uh, they did yeah. not have him in the starting... Or did not have him suit up. So, well, yeah, uh, like, gotta like play Paul teams. said, man, you, gotta play teams. Yeah, you got three running backs and the third guy plays teams. Right, but you know, it's it's just interesting because they have a running back and they sat him, and then they elevated, you know, Patrick Taylor to play, you know, to play teams, but he's coming off the practice squad to do that. So, they they, I mean, that's just I think how their roster has to work. But well, also maybe they they assume that 
what before Taylor's uh, elevation eligibility runs out that Wilson will learn teams or that yeah, will, could be. What? Yeah. I also think, I mean, Patrick Taylor like was added and dropped from the 53 man roster like three times last year. I, I don't, I think they suspect nobody really will do, take him. So they'll add him yeah, as needed and then they'll true. drop him and Good they'll point. be fine. You know, well, what's his, what's his face? Uh, Tyler Goodson just got signed by someone. Dallas, so. right? Was yeah. It? Or Carolina? I think it was, Shoot. I forget. But yes, he's it somewhere. was a South team. Yeah. So that might not work this year. <laughs> I think yeah, it'll still know. work. It has, it's whatever. If they take him, we have another guy. It's fine. Old man on a bike in Sherlington. I'm an old man on a bike who thoroughly appreciated the beatdown of a wildly overconfident Bears team. And I'm sure reporting is eligible will cover the main points. I want to instead use my question to highlight a perhaps overlooked gem, that being the first quarter false start call on the Bears' entire offensive line, which is the only time I can recall a referee attribute a false start in that way. The phrasing of the call brought me as much joy as it sh- brought me much joy as it showed how much the Bears suck and will always suck. Was the phrasing of the call just the referee ad-libbing? Similar to Ron Cherry's famous giving him the business call? (laughs) Or is that an actual way to call a penalty? As an aside, you just knew Jair was going to draw an unnecessary roughness penalty when he was giving DJ Moore the business on the way back (laughs) back onto the field. Yeah, he did. Uh, So um, I have seen frequently false start everyone but the center. That's one that's pretty common. Um, And this is in the same vein. I just think... Um, it was a little bit of an ad lib from that. So um, it does happen sometimes when everybody moves because the center actually missed the count. And uh, yeah, that's what happened here. And boy, the Bears' offensive line is bad, just just terrible. <laughs> so yeah, the the one of the first in game ones that I can remember was 2017. Um, everyone but the center. But uh, I think that it was in the replacements. The Keanu Reeves <laughs> it definitely movie? does happen in the replacements. Yes. Okay. So yeah, there's a point where because their their cheerleaders are strippers and they are like <laughs> distracting the team. They are. That is true. But no, like literally. I know. Like, they, I know. They they hire are. their. Yes. I'm... Why did you guys scoff at that? I'm telling the story. It's been a pretty ribald podcast about so far, man. <laughs> so anyway, the so they they start doing their their provocative dancing and it distracts the entire team and. The center is the only one paying attention. He snaps the ball. I'm like, yeah, they, they, I'm pretty sure they say everyone but the center. Like, I've seen it in real NFL games too. So, but not the whole offensive line. And I've not seen the entire offensive line before. That is new to me. So, yes. But, oh, man. G- giving him the business. That's a, oh, it's a classic. <laughs> Made Wiley asks Is this going to be a Devontae Wyatt breakout season or are the Bears so bad that we can't take much away? I think everybody's kind of having that caveat by the way on their question yep like well that's awesome but is it because the bears are bad but i do think <laughs> that means Dante Wyatt that breakout means season a, what was gonna say it means our patrons are well informed yes and they understand they yes <laughs> yes not uh, not not getting too high or getting too low i which think is appreciated. i think we have enough wyatt evidence to at least maybe preliminarily conclude breakout season's gonna happen uh, last year he first of all last year evidence clearly made them mad in practice like he didn't play a lot in games because he did something in practice he's got off the field red flags i think he's probably not a good practice player but when he got in always good grades always pretty impactful he got himself into the backfield and then this preseason not running with the ones seemed to be in the doghouse for a lot of the season 
And we get to this game, and he just sh- he pops again. He sh- I think he's just a gamer, and I think he- they have to play him and maybe even know that themselves now. And yeah, I think he'll be really good. He's a super giant freak athlete who loves to stunt. He's got a bunch of good players next to him, um, and I think they'll be okay. I also think he's helped a lot by their edge rotation. Last year, um, they ha- Joe- so Joe Barry has definitely been better in this one game so far this year. Uh, but one I thing, love the disdain with which you said that, by the way. So one thing he did, Barry. one thing he did last year was he would have rotations where Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith were in at edge together, as you ha- would have, and then he would take them both out and put in our our ass backup um, edge rushers, whoever they were at any moment. Jonathan Garvin was one of them, I think. Um, it would be Garvin and Enigbari, who it, it was. It wasn't always Enigbari. We had somebody else too. Um, it was sometimes in Igbari, but not always. I, I keep wanting to say merciless, but like he it was, that was many <laughs> many years ago. Anyway, it was twenty years ago. <laughs> the point being, personnel has kind of saved that a little. Justice mentioned this yesterday. And I went and double checked it. He's right. That happened again. Where well, Gary was obviously on a snap count, but Barry was taken off both starting edge rushers with some frequency. But it didn't matter because Enigbari and Van Nesser then in together and like. That works pretty well. They're good copies. They they're good at stopping the run, and so like you're not getting into the situation where like there's a bunch of garbage linebackers to run away from D linemen or weak spots to attack. There's always strength on the field. That's going to help the D line too. So uh, I think Wyatt's going to be. I think breakout season's going to happen. He looks really really good. He looks like he's physically dominant. I, I like where this is going a lot. Can we talk about the term gamer? Because I have interpreted the word gamer. I, you're right. F- finish, well, but you're right. No, 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 no. <laughs> I No, no, no. I'm not chastising you. I, I think you used it how I would use it, which is to say somebody who is, it's kind of a backhanded compliment. Somebody who is not necessarily, you know, someone who demonstrates the best practice habits, but then gets in a game and really gives it their all. Gives it their all when the moment calls for it, right? But I think a lot of people use the term gamer to mean somebody who fights through everything, fights through adversity yeah. and injury and things like that. Those are two very polar opposite concepts, in my opinion. Polar opposites probably too strong, but they're they're very different. Yep. And and so I just I'm just curious. Do, do you do you stand by how you just used it? Because you just used it how I would use it. But also, I don't think that's how the majority of people. use I that think word. the the second definition is sort of the commonly understood definition, and the way I used it was sort of a literal reading of the word, <laughs> like yeah. someone who is good in games only is a gamer, as yes. opposed to like a practicer. So, so like, uh, it, yeah, this it thing makes is, sense, if... but not in out of context, it would not make sense at all. Like, I don't know if we have a practicer. I'm not going to say pejorative, but like, you know, like, like when you call someone a workout warrior, like they show up at, at the combine and it turns out that they suck. Similar similar to what you're getting at there. Yeah. And, and so the, the everyman version of what you guys are describing is they, they, when you say someone's a good test taker, (laughs) like, like this guy can't do his homework to save his life, but he, he gets a 35 on the ACT cough me cough like that's how i've lived my life into my 30s did you get a 35 on the act did you really yes i really did you did not why i'm a i'm a good test taker all right jerry you you know i'm I'm proud of you i got a 48 on the wonderlick it's because you know Hawthorne references and art, that- but also <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a good test taker. I'm a very analytical person. Standardized tests are very easy for me to understand. And 
it's to the point where even if you don't know an answer, you can at least get it down to a 50-50 guess. Okay. I'm proud of you. But I'm, I'm no Devontae <laughs> um, Wyatt. Like, <laughs> you are. All right. Donald Anderson says, can this, te- can this team's personal foul problem be fixed? Can't blame Quay for these. Sub-question, who played worse? <laughs> Dylan, Hicks, Ford, or Myers? Sub-sub-question, was the icing on the cake being read back to collect the onside kick it was for me it was good to see him back in the game because it seemed like he might be dead and now we know he's not so yes big big ups on that one for sure okay but if if you're on hands team you're not really like like if you're the if you're the returner on hands team are you expecting to to be the guy like that was surprising i'm just glad he played no he's just saying because he was hurt yeah he just wanted to see that he could get back on the field yeah it doesn't matter that he did anything just that he was actually out there doing you know standing on the field is good enough um the, the Dylan of, Hicks, Ford, or Myers? Oh, um, did Ford even play? Oh, he's talking yeah, about Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford. I'm um, thinking of Jonathan Ford, who I don't even think is on the uh, on the practice squad anymore. Okay, we had this discussion in the APC Slack chat. There are too many damn people on this roster with similar names. It is the totally agree with you. Yeah, because like I'm looking at Hicks and I'm thinking, who is Hicks? I'm also doing oh, that. Right. <laughs> but but you said Hicks played very well. He just didn't get a lot, enough looks. He was wide open a whole bunch. Well, that's no, that not Wix. That's, that's Wix. <laughs> uh, who is Hicks? Oh, For real. I'm so screwed up here. <laughs> we have to put a stop to so this. There is no, to there people. is no Hicks. So he must mean Dante. So he, he might mean Wix. So. Okay, so, so we've, yeah. we've covered Wicks. Like Akeem uh, Hicks? Not on the Bears anymore? <laughs> so, uh, the Dontavion Wicks scenario, it reminds me a lot. I, I have to reference this all the time. Back when Arif Hassan was writing for the Daily Norseman and Greg Jennings had recently burned every bridge on his way out of town, was playing with uh, Christian Ponder and was not putting up stats. Right. So Arif, Arif wrote an article that was one of the very first film breakdowns I think I ever absorbed called Greg Jennings is Always Open. And it was just film breakdown after film breakdown of Jennings open at the top of his route and yeah. Ponder not even glancing. Which he was, because Christian Ponder was an atrocity, so that makes sense. So that's that's Wicks for me. So like I, he was open. I do think it's close. I think Ford played the worst out of that group. He, he was not great at safety, He especially after his first big hit. Missed a couple of assignments, was not a great tackler. I think he was the worst. Um I didn't notice Myers that much. I saw one clip of him yep. missing a block on a, on a run up the middle, but that's all I saw. Didn't Dylan run into him. Somebody just straight up ran into Myers and fell down in the Dylan backfield. Definitely I think did it was do Dylan. That. Yeah. So I think Dylan played second worst, probably Myers third, and then Wicks fourth. That's that's my order there. Yeah. And then I, I think this referee crew was um, not great and overzealous in calling personal fouls. Like the offsetting personal fouls were Jair perfectly legally hit Justin Fields and then got flagged for offsetting. Uh, and then the Bears got flagged for offsetting when they went after him. Um, like, that wasn't a late hit. That shouldn't have been one. Um, they called Dontavian Wicks actually for a false start where I don't think he did. Um, there was a lot of garbage in this game. So. Didn't he, like, he, like, scratched his leg or something? Yeah, right? he, like, like, it wasn't even... It was, like, technically correct, but, like, there were so... People move like that all the time. That's just dumb. Do you um, think that, that because of the Chiefs right tackle whose name eludes me at the moment like that's going to be the the big point of emphasis yeah yeah maybe so which is annoying but i i'm not too worried about um like roughing calls at at this point like there are some fluky ones in this game there's bad blood there's a couple of you know skirmishes between the bears and the packers in this game i think against normal opponents it probably won't rear its head as much 
not worried. And Quay Walker was not involved in any of those skirmishes. He was not. So Meditation worked. Quay was great. But like aside from he had a great six, game. He had a, he had a great game. He played a yep. line of scrimmage. He was great. Obviously, as the all of it, very nice. PJ Wessels is this game a demonstration of what good scheme can do, or how bad the Bears are? <laughs> Musgrave either had a mismatch or was open a lot. It's actually yes to all four of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are there four things? Uh, uh, yeah, good oh, scheme. Okay. He was, Bears are bad. Musgrave had a mismatch, mismatch. and he was, was just open randomly open a lot. Yeah, scheme, yes to all four. Scheme of those was things. great. It sprung a lot of guys open, but the Bears are terrible. You know, yes. The answer is yes. They, Sorry, the Bears PJ. are incredibly bad. Yeah. Every answer is like Incredible yes. Bad. The Bears are bad. Now the next question. Unbearably <laughs> bad. <clears throat> well, we're not Clearly, even halfway through the questions. Holy. We really butts. Yeah, we are. God. Right. Oh God. Jeez. We have to start rapid fire. Rapid fire. Let's go. Uh, Flaley Joel Osment says, is Nixon the guy in the slot based on how well Razul and surprisingly Savage played? How does Stokes factor into the rotation? I think this is a great question. I, I have no idea what happens when Eric Stokes comes back. If he comes yeah. back. It's tough. I, I do think um, he, Stokes has to play outside. So I think you'll get some combination of Nixon sticking in the slots and Jair moving to the slot occasionally on big downs or to, for matchup purposes. Like if you have a the Vikings and they're putting Justin Jefferson in the slot repeatedly, you might see Alexander move there and follow him with Stokes and Zool outside more. Um, but I think Nixon will be the main slot guy and they'll just take off Stokes or Razul once in a while um, to make it happen. That'd be my guess. Or maybe they take Stokes off the team by October 31st. <laughs> Um, maybe, but I bet not. They want to get and another same. Will sub out and come back as a safety. Is there any chance that happens? <sighs> maybe they I'm, seem to be resistant to that. Um, so. I mean, we we saw Ford play most of a game. It was not good. It's yeah. it's a good problem to have though. <clears throat> like four co- competent safeties plus Carson Valentine did, or not safeties corners um, is a good thing to have. So did you did you guys see Owens at the end of the game? <laughs> no. On, he he was the safety during the Bears' final touchdown. Oh, drive. okay. And he was part of the reason they scored a touchdown. Yeah, well, he's not so. good. Mm. Their safeties are tough. K time seven says that was a lot of fun. Yes. My question is prompted toward a short, incomplete pass in the second quarter underneath the D line to Wicks. I believe that pass was almost intercepted and was batted down. However, when they showed the replay, it was right on target yep. and looked like a real smart playmaking solution. I wouldn't drop them a Holmes word, but I saw some flashes of self-confidence and gutsiness compared with no interceptions in general. Did you feel like Jordan took care of the ball was reckless and got lucky or somewhere in between? Yeah, I, I think the Mahomes, nobody wants to make the Mahomes comp, but I think in terms of sort of attitude playmaking, it, it's legit. Like love looks like he's in okay. that much control. So Patrick Mahomes has made it. So we don't say the word anymore that we used to say all the time before Patrick Mahomes, which Barf. He was gunslinging. He, yeah, he was, was out there being a gunslinger. Yes, he was. Yeah, that's that's the type. That's the the type of quarterback that he was being. That's the type of quarterback that Mahomes and Matthew Stafford and Brett Favre and all the the sidearm. I can squeeze it in there. Maybe Josh Allen, sort of. But like, yeah, he was he was gunslinging. He was let's, gunslinging. Let's bring yep. bring back gunslinging. Oh, friends, I, I I worry that we are in for such a market correction here in we week might two. Be, we might be. Week two, <laughs> oh, week two bites uh, teams all the time, and it might bite us. Would you, would you say it'll be a regression to the mean? It, I would. Yes. Drink it up. Drink. <laughs> Price Trozen, were you 
were you as stoked as I was when Van Ness didn't let Fields get upfield? Can this be a harbinger of, a, of at least a competent contain option? Sub-question <laughs> regarding JR's headline suggestion request. What is JR's favorite 90s song with love in the title? Oh, man. I'm going to have to think about that. What do you think about Van Ness uh, not letting Fields get upfield? That was such a great I play. love that tackle so much. He, he, he accelerated. Like, you're not supposed to be that fast and that big. I think Fields thought he was going to be able to evade him when he got on the outside. And, like, the best Packer tackle of the day without question. Like, just a good, solid wrap-up. Did not let him even come close to escaping. Forced him to the sideline. Took a great angle. I love that Van Ness play so much. Um, w- one of my favorite plays of the day. To be that yeah, fast really and that big at the same time, and that technically sound is just great to see. Um, um, okay, so it turns out Aerosmith's Love in an Elevator was written in 1988, so yep. I have to take that off the list. I do have a soft spot for Boys to Men and I'll Make Love to You, which is a dirty, dirty song that they made beautiful and touching and a song that people play at prompts. So congratulations, Boys the, uh, the the algorithm on that one before there was an algorithm. Uh, I have a soft spot for Sammy Hagar. I can't stop loving you by Van Halen. Not a classic by any means, but I don't know. I just like Sammy Hagar. I like his voice. Uh, that a little you little would like me. Van Hagar. What is wrong? With you? But listen, the actual answer is the only answer could be, and that is, I would do anything for love, but I won't, I won't do, do that. I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? He never says what that is. He does. No, he does. He say does say what that is. He says it throughout the song. People just aren't paying attention. It's no, he, he. I don't like subtext in music. It's not subtext. It's, it is he, text. In fact, it is overt. The opposite. It is, yes. it is text. It's that he won't cheat on her. It's the sooner you, or later you'll be screwing around. And then he's like, "No, I won't do that." And that's what it is. It's yeah. That's it. Yeah. He he said it's all it's all a whole bunch of different things. I won't do that and that and that and that. It's tremendous, tremendous song. Jim Steinman, R.I.P. <laughs> Meatloaf, R.I.P. Brilliant work, the two of you. Just incredible, incredible collaboration. Uh, all right, that's enough. I won't do that. Ryan Ziegler asks a question that I can't even read here, Matab. Uh, let me try. <laughs> two parts here. Question question one. Was moving Joe Barry off the field and out of the face-to-face communication actually just damage control? And the second part is for Matt specifically. He then You goes don't have to read that. Don't read that. He, 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 wrote a, he wrote a sequel query um, that separates like the Packers and the Bears, good teams, bad wins and, and championships and whatnot. It's, it's, it's because only last people week... who get 35 on the ACT would understand. To be <laughs> no. quite with you. No, so it was last week when I mentioned when I can't remember who it was mentioned sequel queries like they were they weren't finishing theirs. And a big part of my job is messing with sequel. And it was yeah. it was upsetting. Um, and so Ziggy Momedic over here decides that he's going to he's going to hurt me in the in the Patreon questions where I thought I was safe. Yeah, that's a very Discord question in the Patreon. But his first question, we can at least speak yes. English on. Oh, which, by the way, he's Joe a Barry. Discord regular. So, like, that would totally on brand. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, Ziegs. Uh, getting Joe Barry out of the way. Good idea. Um, damage think, control. So the question is, is really, was moving Joe Barry to uh, just to, like, mitigate what we like to, to change something or for strategic advantage and um i would still like to know what prompted it like i, I would like a, a solid answer on like what they thought they'd be getting out of it and all that stuff but i i think um a little of both but mostly for strategic advantage like i think um yeah they had to change stuff stuff's not working 
But uh, it makes just a lot of sense. And somebody probably got in his ear of like, hey, Mr. Strategy, why don't you go upstairs and look at things from on high and then you can call things better. That's my guess as to what happened. So that would be the fourth prophetic thing we've said on this podcast? Yep. <laughs> um, I would like to go back a couple of questions. Oh, yeah? Go Specifically you, Paul. By the way, like the Nebraska thing, and then the... <laughs> we cut Austin Allen today. By the way, so R.I.P. Oh, yeah, very sad. This fun while it lasted. Fun yeah, but we lasted. signed we Michael, signed Michael Jordan. Jordan to replace him. That's true too. <laughs> Incredible. Um, I have thought about it. I don't think they probably played "I'll Make Love to You" by Boyz II Men at any proms. Uh, I just want to make that clear. It'd <laughs> be extremely weird. You're right. They probably did not. That would be weird. Okay. That's uh, that's, that's my. Good. My sophomore year, Sadie Hawkins dance, they played uh, Take It Off by the Donnas, and I feel like people didn't understand that song, <laughs> so it's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, the Donnas, good San Francisco band. They have a song called Too Bad About Your Girl that I loved. Uh, is that late 90s or early 2000s? I, I Early know. 2000s. Yeah, good song. Because they had, they had one album, right? Because they had... Uh, yeah, it was a short-lived... Take It Off, uh, Take Me to the Backseat. Uh, I'm trying to like. They there's like, a there's a really bad but somewhat enjoyable movie called Drive Me Crazy that stars Melissa Joan Hart and uh, who's the, the author, guy from Entourage? The Entourage guy, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the Donnas are like the house band in that movie and uh, excellent throughout. So would, would recommend just for that. All right, Luke Roy suitcase. Anders Carlson check in. How we feeling? Nailed that 52 yarder. Feeling good. First of all, it's, it's Anders. Every Anders. damn time. Uh, we're, I think we're all feeling good about Anders at this point. Um, he he showed up well in stressful situation and in his first game. Yeah, feeling good. I think it's I, I'm I'm still worried it's a Pat O'Donnell situation where he's going to crush it until late October. Cold, when gets yeah. Cold. Waiting for that shoe to drop, but yeah. so far so good. Man, also, that's a, gamer. A, that's a hell of a that's a hell of an idiom. Perfect usage there. The other shooter dropped. Yes, He's a kicker. I know. It's, it's a kicker. A, it's yes. A, it's a, ah, <laughs> yes. I didn't pick up on that. Well done, everybody. Aaron Savage is Packers Bears your favorite rivalry. Even though I'm a bigger baseball fan than football, Aaron Savage, my man, watching the Brewers beat the Cubs doesn't bring me as much joy as watching these games. Although maybe it's because the matchup has been so lopsided for basically my entire life. Oof, that's nine in a row that the Packers have beaten the Bears, by the yeah. way. I like this many, rivalry best because. How many times have the Brewers played the Cubs ever? Uh, lots. Well, how many times have the Brewers yeah. played the Cubs this year? Uh, 10, 13. Right? 13. No, well, yeah, they've played we? them 10, yeah. three more to go. Yep, five and so five. So it's going to be 16 by the end of the year, right? No, it'll be 13, 13. by the end of the year. Yeah, 13. 13, whatever. So basically, the, you play the Cubs eight times as much as they play the Bears. No, that's true, time. yes. Uh, so, so that's that's why. So it's condensed. We have the general condensed nature of baseball, but that I like the Bears rivalry more because the Bears have been objectively unintelligent for my entire life and not, the Packers haven't always been like scions of intelligence during that time period but I like seeing teams that have bad decision making processes fail and if they happen to be my team's rival so much the better uh, like if the Vikings were idiots I would also like rooting against them more but it's the Bears and they're just bad decision after bad decision um, and uh, it's nice to see the universe actually have some justice in how the Bears 
just struggle to put together good teams. So I, I appreciate the cosmic nature of the Bear Pack rivalry, whereas the Cubs are like, they're fun to beat too. But we also got the Cardinals there who are, you know, objectively evil. And there's there's some other like Brewer rivals that are fun to hate too. It's more it's more diluted because there's more people that I don't like in baseball uh, aside from just the Bears here. You also have the aspect here where, I mean, the Cubs and Brewers are a good rivalry for sure. They've been playing each other since 1997 when they, right. when they introduced the interleague switch, play yeah. for the first time. Uh, the, the Bears and Packers have been playing each other since the dawn of man. They are two of the most, you know, the most notable franchises in NFL history. One plays on the banks of Lake Michigan in the, one of the biggest cities in the United States. The other plays in the smallest pro sports market in the United States of America. I mean, there's just a lot of. There's so much depth to it, richness, even if we haven't experienced that most of our adult lives, it's, you know, that, that kind of backing is not something you can replicate. So that's, that's, that's important. That's cool. All right. Mattingly's sideburns. This might be a hard question to answer from hey, the outside. Sorry. Before we, before we move on, I, I was checking something really quick. This is hilarious. Sliced bread, as we know it in an industrial sense, was invented in 1928. The Packers bears rivalry is eight years older than that. <laughs> It's literally older than sliced bread. It's older than sliced bread. <laughs> That's right. Um, Mattingly sideburns. This might be a hard question to answer from the outside, but do you think the miss to Musgrave on the left sideline was more on Musgrave or Love? Seemed like a weird place for Musgrave to slow down given the coverage, but I am far from a route running expert. I think it's more on Musgrave. It, it, it could have been. It's hard to tell because he definitely stopped running fast and when a guy stops running fast, it's hard to tell how far he would have gotten or if it was overthrown or not. So maybe it was overthrown, but he definitely cut off his route too soon. So um, I think it's more on him for that. that. That's, I think, as close as you can get to definitive on it. But yeah, it was weird. Yeah, and, you know, they're still learning chemistry. They're young. They haven't played a lot together. But uh, if he keeps going, I think he probably scores a touchdown there. So yeah, keep going, Luke. You're either a fart smeller. No, I can never get this one right. You're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. <laughs> if you had to assign percentages, how much of this win would the, how much of this win was the Packers being good versus the Bears being bad? They left me feeling pretty good about them, as you indeed played the team in front of you and they handled it very well. But I can't help but think that the Bears may just be that awful. As an aside, am I imagining things, or did that first love touchdown to Dobbs with the non-platform feet and wrist flick look positively Rogersian? Uh, <laughs> from we've, from we've now talked on, about I will. Well, from now on, I will only respond to those questions if they are started with sub-question. <laughs> sub-question. Uh, so we've talked a lot about Bears, good, bad, versus Packers, good, whatever. 60-40. Uh, yeah, but let's uh, let's talk about the, the Dobbs thing yeah. with the um, – I mean, Dobbs played very well. He did. It was a nice elevated throw. I think it was Rogersian. I think that's totally fine. It was very much a, an upper body throw from a guy confident that his guy was going to see the ball and the other guy wasn't, so – I, I agree with that. You're not imagining things. A little more sidearm, a little ganglier, but that's pretty much it. And yeah, I'll go like 50 50 because how can you even quantify that? Case of the Sunday berries. I don't ask my I don't ask my questions late. I use all of the available game clock to gather information pre-snap. <laughs> I'm fascinated how much love pans out. My biggest fear is he'll be just good enough that they can't move away from him, but not a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback, and we'll be right back into early early playoff exit purgatory. Do you think Rogers' injury might give Goody some extra leeway within the organization, possibly due to reductionist or revisionist thinking, where love would have to be outright bad for Goody's job to be at risk? I have a hard time seeing Goody not stick with love as long as he's not a disaster. 
roster unless Murphy's replacement comes in and puts a lot more pressure on Goody. P.S. I hope Matthew enjoyed Ryan's question. Um, I don't know. That's a long question. A lot going on there. Um, yeah, I also don't get the Matthew and the Ryan uh, reference Ryan's, at the end. Ryan's sequel question, oh. I am Matthew. Oh, <laughs> you are Matthew. My, my, le- my legal name is Matthew. Matthew I, don't know. Right. I know you as Matt, but I could call you Matub. I didn't think of Matthew as you. I haven't gone by Matthew now. since I was seven, eight. Right. So the worst thing right. that could happen um, to any franchise is getting a, a, a goodish, averagey quarterback. That is correct. And so, yeah, it's a fear and it's a challenge for front offices to be smart enough to recognize the situation that they're in. It's one of the big problems the Vikings always have. Like the the Bears um, always have awful quarterbacks. And so it's very easy just to at some point draft another one. The Vikings always have these like cousinsy guys and it makes life hard on them because it caps where you can go. Um, you don't want to be that team and you don't want to overpay for that quarterback, especially. But yeah, if he's just good probably buys him leeway that probably keeps him around for kind of a long time it's hard to move on from a good quarterback it, it takes a lot of guts to move on from a good quarterback so yes it buys him a lot of leeway if he's good and um it's uh it maybe puts him in purgatory but you can also win with them occasionally matt stafford won a super bowl not that long ago with good team all around him it's it can be done it just is harder all right, we've reached the end of the Patreon questions. Oh, we have a goodness. couple quick ones from Discord. Uh, C. Hutler asks, what is A.J. Dillon? I will answer is to say he is the mayor of Door County. That's He's right. the priest of Pageviews, and occasionally he might run the football. The priest of Pageviews? Heck yeah. That's right. Makes them. Is, makes is, them... There a town, is there a town in Wisconsin that sounds like Manila? Because I feel like you could, you could like the Thrilla in something. Oh, yeah. Something. Um, I'm sure there is. I'm just, it's so late. I've read so many yeah, questions so that much, I can't think properly. Right, because Priest of Pages just makes me want to give him like a bunch of like Muhammad Ali nicknames. Yeah, I love it. Right. Um, let's give them all the nicknames. Lambo Baggins, which is the best Discord name <laughs> ever. Lambo Baggins, you are in here specifically because of your name. Just well, well done. done. Yeah. Yeah. Vibe question. How good did it feel to see third downs that didn't end in a 30 yard turf ball with an eye roll and instead were in fact completed for first down? Also a good question. Incredibly true. So I'll tell you in the discord, uh, everybody had a good vibe check. They responded to this question with stonks uh, emojis. And I posted a picture of John Goodman. Uh, that is because very discordian. It, it, it feels good. It man. feels good, man. It was nice not to see a bunch of bomb hero balls to like MVS on fourth and one. It it was nice to have that not happen. Now, honestly, this game had a lot of things not happen that were good to have not happen. Like I, I do appreciate that. Yay. The fever of Lake Geneva. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I like you could. This needs to be a video format because you can see the wheels turning and chairs at his balls talking. <laughs> All right, we're done. That was long. Jr. Anything to plug? No, not right now. Yeah, we're good call. just living, living our lives, writing about Aaron Rodgers breaking and trying to, trying to, you know, trying to will this Brewers team into the playoffs where the content will be better. <laughs> Absolutely, Matt. You're doing hot take, hottest take of the week again sometime. Yeah, right? so I'm. Restarting Hottest Take of the Week, um, it is going to be at some point this week. I am done with the research portion. Um, I was just kind of letting everything settle. People are dunking on Bears fans enough. I don't have to do Bears takes. I'm going to be talking about the game itself. All right. Um, Oh, also, I'm not going to officially start an RAE book club, but I have recommended so many books that I'm going to continue to do it and maybe 
diversify a little bit. Uh, this week, I'm recommending uh, The Rookie by Scott Sigler. It is a uh, extrapolative sci-fi novel about playing football in the future. It follows a, a young man named Quentin Barnes as he overcomes uh, Puritan racism to try and play with aliens. A lot going on humans there. Are, it's, it's great. Um, Scott Sigler himself is a Lions fan. He's, he's very well-versed in football. The football in the book is very good. It's sci-fi. It's fun. There's six books in the series. But, All right. Uh, the Rookie is free on Kindle, and the um, audiobook is also available as a podcast on the Audible platform. All right. Sounds good. So it's free. Nice. Um, Shepard Thing is up now at Shepard Express, uh, recapping the game. I'm looking forward a little bit to Atlanta and re- reminiscing about Aaron if he never plays again. Um, mini pod on Friday. Check that out. I'll have something up at APC later. But uh, we got to get up on out of here because you asked a lot of questions, which we appreciate. Uh, we will be back next week to uh, recap the Atlanta game and look forward to enjoy the game this week.